Hi, I'm George Tekmanchev here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson at Vegas Shoot 2023, the biggest ever, Steve. Huge, huge. What's the tally? How many did they get? It's on the order of just shy of 4,000. Oh, man. I would have thought Bruce would have signed up some... Uh, A Boy Scout some, troop or yeah, something. Send it ghosts, over the top. Get it, yeah, get yeah. it there. But you know what? It'd be all the better when we do. Delayed gratification. Not to mention the fact that, you know what? I think 4,000 is just about as many as this thing can handle. You know, I've been uh, yeah. spending some time in the various booths, the Hoyt booth and the Easton booth, and boy, we've been getting slammed. What's up with that? The Hoyt booth is rocking, man. Rocking. It's been ridiculous in a great way. Yeah, so. and, and it looks to me like everybody's booth has been pretty busy. So, you know, the, the other thing that goes with the Vegas shoot, of course, is it is the biggest consumer show in the sport of archery, and it has uh, certainly lived up to that this year. It's been an enjoyable time, I'd say, and it... You know, adding 1,300-ish from last year, I haven't felt the strain of it too bad. You know, the crew's doing a good job. I noticed early on, like day zero, day negative one, uh, Wednesday, you had people lined up to the escalators, if you've ever been here, from registration back to the escalators to check in. Yeah. Before it even opened. Wow. Man, it's Wednesday, y'all. So I waited till, like, thursday afternoon and i walked right up you know, yeah no one was there people got antsy yeah yeah they just they're here they want to do it they want to check in make sure everything's good to go i guess uh, the one thing that people don't seem to have learned after all these years of the vegas shoot and this is the 57th vegas shoot is they still haven't figured out that stabilizers are a removable item from a bow when you're getting on an elevator it's an option yes it's just that like, elevator's packed you could make that happen i was waiting 25 minutes for an elevator the other day and yeah, it was because you must be on the right side elevators yeah uh-huh. yeah and it was because every single time that door opened, there would be four guys standing there with their full rigs, completely set up, taking up all the space in the elevator. Oh, we're talking like coming down. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm on the fourth floor. I have only had a couple full elevators, but if I needed to, I could just... The fourth floor here is really like the tenth floor, it so, seems, because yeah. you're, you're up there, but... You know, yeah. I could take the stairs. So be in, down in, in fact, Greg Easton and I were talking about this the other... Just yesterday, we were like, you know what? I think... People who are really in the know are getting themselves a fourth floor room first, if they can, because yeah. they anticipate this. They get the low floor. I, they can get the low floor. They can use the stairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I don't know where they are. That's the issue is I don't know where the stairs are. But Well, you know what I did figure out? I figured out where the housekeeping elevator is. Ah, uh, yes. I remember using that one time. Yeah. So, Lane Peters showed me that. Yeah. And we're not going to tell anybody, but there is such a thing. There, no, there isn't such a thing. There oh, no, what was, was I saying? A, yeah, it's just a joke. Sorry, I was just speculating on what could be. Some hotels have housekeeping elevators, not this one. All right, anyway. So as we sit here right now podcasting, and uh, you probably hear uh, Bob there in the background talking, it's the uh, afternoon line on Saturday, and yep. they're getting ready to start their first uh, practice ends. We're looking at a bunch of compound shooters out there. A bunch of 300 scores were shot. A couple more 300 scores shot. We had something on the order of 83 or 84 people for the uh, one, the $10,000 shoot-off yesterday. I which, thought it was like 101. No, uh, it turns out it was 83 that were paying for the shoot-off. Okay. They paid the extra contingency fee. You're right. I thought oh, it was 101 I gotcha, as well. I gotcha. It was 101 300s. But the Only ones who entered, some. they paid yeah. the extra 50 bucks, right? Now, the thing is, today, there will be another one of those, and it goes back to square one. If you didn't 
get a 300 yesterday, but you did get one today. You're eligible for today's ten thousand dollars shoot. Yeah. And you know that's nothing to sneeze at. Ten grand for basically shooting six arrows, eight arrows. Pretty remarkable. If that. Alyssa Roner from Italy won yesterday shooting her Eastern Super Drive 23, and she popped that sucker dead center. Yeah. First woman to win the thing. What a beast. Really, really well done. And uh, really good grace under pressure. I saw her shoot that arrow. I saw her look down at the target. I saw her look back at the crowd and kind of freeze. Like, hey, did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, is that in? Yeah. Her, her... I think it's her boyfriend, or yeah, he was back there spotting for yeah. her, and and he's like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell. But she heard the close. crowd. You know how the crowd gets the crowd that kind of kind of has an idea. Yeah, the crowd here in Vegas always gives you some idea because you got about eleven teen people with binoculars and they're looking. Right. And odds are they're right. I like that they're you get quite the crowd for the for the ten k per day. Yeah. It does does fill up in here a little bit. You know, it's yeah. not like the shoot off where you got people. No, in I, every seat, but you do get a lot of people line the rail, and a number of people come down to watch. Yeah, them. and you know, I think the shoot off this year is obviously with fifty-seven thousand dollars at stake just from the payout for the shoot off. On top of the contingency, you're talking well over a hundred thousand dollar opportunity for some of these shooters. This is the biggest payday in the sport of archery, bar none. It's the only place you'll ever have like a life-changing amount of money. Maybe you know, for some folks, yeah, yeah, it. Uh, Elsewhere, you can win other tournaments, I guess, that you didn't win a lot of money. I'm not nothing to sneeze yeah. at. You know, I don't want to sound uh, pretentious or anything, but yeah, you, you you walk away with 100k, pay taxes on that, and you're still going to have a nice chunk of change. Absolutely. To uh, kind of change things for yourself. Yeah, and if you you know if you're structured as an LLC or some other things, you can help to deflect a lot of that too, depending on how you're structured tax-wise and all that sort of thing. Some of these guys are doing this for a living, after all. Yeah, I pay an accountant. I let them figure that out. Yeah, so. fair enough. Same here. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that, you know, some, some folks are going to pay more in taxes on this sort of thing than others. Yeah. You're never, honestly, the odds of making a complete living off of contingency from archery tournaments is still not where we want it to be. No, hopefully someday, but it's just not a big enough market. Even, you know, looking at other things... Yeah. Looking at other sports where you have... Well, we have a colleague that worked in bowling, right? Yeah, we have a colleague that worked in bowling, and it's actually a larger sport than this. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is something I had a hard time wrapping my mind around, but it's absolutely yeah. true. He had, a, he had a guy who was kind of an up-and-comer. guy had a really good uh, marketability, let's say, Yeah. and was working at a Wendy's so that he could have the flexibility to still try to bowl professionally. Wow. And two years later, he you know, went from working at Wendy's to making 600 k a year bowling. Wow. You know, I think he had, yeah, over a million dollars, is what my guy said, yeah, well over a million dollars in earnings those two years. I, I dream of the time when we can have something like that in our sport from the standpoint of people who purely want to compete and want to be able to try to do this kind of thing. Now, you and I both know there are probably two shooters in the last 10 years that have come anywhere near that kind of number. And not they also year. I no, mean, no, like, no, yeah, no not over like a 10-year period or whatever. <laughs> but we're talking about people who have TV show on top of that. Right? Oh, that sure. That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we're talking about people who are uh, published authors or have TV shows or have big development deals for certain things. They are not doing it off of podiums. No, it's pretty pretty tough to 
like you said, reliably make a living. It's the reason why I never really wanted to be a full-time archer. It also adds a lot of pressure. Oh yeah, you're, exactly. you're literally on the line thinking, I want to. I need to pay my mortgage whereas other guys are just going i want to do this because i want to do well yeah not to mention how it can affect your life in other ways i mean you know what you're you're a professional archer completely dependent on your tournament winnings you might not decide to go do some stuff that other people would find to be a lot of fun just for fear of injury right you won't get on a mountain bike or a motorcycle or you know a lot of other stuff it can be it can really affect your life in ways that go beyond just the fact that you got to practice x amount of hours yeah. a day you also sacrifice career development in other areas you know a yeah, resume, we've seen that your resume doesn't really re, uh translate maybe within the industry it helps but outside the industry no one cares but, if you were great at archery and didn't have any business skills for 10 years yeah you know? i mean that's uh, a super narrow niche yeah, it you is know? so you know anyhow we're, we're not trying to, to talk anybody out of yeah. being a pro archer by any means just understand where the sport's at and hopefully we can get it to a it's growing. I mean, it's growing. The tournament attendance here is going to help. And well, and in fact, to pull this full circle, let's understand that events like this that Bruce Cullen and the NFAA are putting on are a key, one key, to creating the kind of revenue stream, the kind of media attention, therefore the revenue stream, that the sport really needs. Right. And, you know, the Sunday night shoot-off is arguably the best thing from the standpoint of a in-person spectacle in our sport. It, it, there, you and I have talked about this before. Yes, there could absolutely be improvements from the standpoint of how it's presented on TV. But, you know, I think everybody looks forward to it more than they do even, you know. Yeah, I think it's the only one where I can watch it and feel a little bit nervous. Yeah. The other ones I've, I'm not that concerned about. Well, you don't get you much know? passion about yeah, some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you go, okay. Because you see it all the time. Someone's oh. going to win this weekend and someone's yeah. going to win next weekend. Yeah. But only once a year does someone win Vegas. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. And, you know... That's part of what's on the back of the mind of every one of those shooters, whether they admit it or not, or whether they're conscious of it or not. That is a factor in what makes this tournament one of the toughest tournaments in the world to win. It's not just the fact that the target butts can be really unforgiving. It's not just the fact that the lighting's not perfect. It's also that internal pressure of knowing what this means to so many people. Yeah, it's... It makes up your whole season. I've said this before on the podcast maybe too many times, but you can have a really good indoor season. If you don't make the Vegas shoot-off, you really feel like you got left out of the party. And then you could have a pretty mediocre or bad season. You make the Vegas shoot-off and perform well, and all is forgotten. You know, it's a, it's a good indoor season at that point. I think it's also fair to say this is the culmination of the season. Anything after this is either an afterthought to a degree or just prep for outdoor. You know? it, yeah, it's tough to even it's tough to even think about. We still have like indoor nationals, you know. Later on, it's it's almost two months from now. Right. Truthfully, it's right. six or seven weeks away, and by then, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of having indoor wrapped up by February, and in in March we we go outside. But well, and in fact, some of the 3D circuit stuff starts in February. Starts in right? February, yeah. yeah. First ASA ASA fully in uh, late February. Yeah. So, yeah, I. Uh, I, and by and large, the pro line is never really super excited to go shoot five spot in March, you know. And, right. Uh, we do. We trot out there because it's still a good event and it's a major event. So yep. It's probably the second. That's yeah, probably. I mean, truthfully, 
I think Lancaster's kind of surpassed it now as an indoor event. But so you've got, I'd rank them Vegas, Lancaster, NFAA indoor in terms of the prestige no, of the events. That says a lot about Lancaster's uh, in, improved or growth, you know, that, that they oh, have really think created. Think about it, when they had 600 people yeah. and they were shooting at the shop and now they're 2,700 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're going to be pushing 3,000 potentially. Yeah, we have, we have another massive tournament in that one. And they've got a great facility and great organization. They do a good job with it. Yeah. The only thing is, of course, it is a little different, which also is one of its benefits, you know, right. because of the way they do it. Right. It's got a little unique format. And I think people appreciate that unique format. I don't think people would want to see that same format for everything, but they appreciate that it exists for that particular event. Correct. And it's not so unique that you have to, like, set up differently or do anything weird. Yeah, it's a different uh, phase, You basically. know, equipment-wise. Yeah, you just score differently and, and approach it differently, but also gives a chance to see a little personality on the part of the archers when somebody stomps on that 12 button you know yeah that's a, that's a statement right there yeah it's fun to it's fun to watch that shoot up too that's a tough one i mean seven eight years ago if you shot i think i qualified fifth with a 655 yeah and now with where the game has gone this is an observation i made um if you shot 658 you were tied for 6th through 10th. If you shot 6.55, you were like 23rd. And it's really interesting how the there's more cream at the top. And what I mean is you've got a ton of guys. Now you got multiple 660s this year. Yeah. A couple 659s, a bunch of 658s. That used to be the tops, uh, like one guy, one yeah. or two. And then the cut line used to be 647. And then interestingly enough now, that cut line is still 647. So... The cut line, the bottom hasn't shifted, but there's just the more guys more shooting crowded. really well. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what that is. If it's what, I, what it is, is you get young talent comes up and the old talent doesn't age out or go away. Right. So you get guys develop their shot 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. And, you know, the, the top guys at that time are 27, 28. And then those, those young guys turn 25, and, well, now the top guys are, you know, 35. They're still in a prime age to shoot really well. Yeah. So they haven't aged out yet because that window is large enough. And then the young guys come in, and there's just more and more of them. And then they're pretty fearless, and they just see what is the capabilities are, and they don't, they don't place a limit on themselves. So you see a 15-year-old Bodie Turner who can shoot 660, and people are like, oh, okay, that's normal now. So it's really yeah. shifted the game and then just... It's the Roger Bannister yeah. effect, the four-minute mile. Right. As soon as one guy does it, a, a number will be able to. So uh, it's a big mental shift and just a different approach to it. And, yeah, the, the top, the ceiling has been... You can't, you can't break through the ceiling, but it's more crowded. I'll tell you, as we sit here in the, uh, in the big stadium at the South Point, there are four banners hanging from the ceiling. And three of those yeah. four banners are the same person. Or two of those four yeah. banners are the same person. And it's, three of the four are teenagers. Correct. That's That was what I was trying <laughs> to get to. You got Lico Ariola up there, who's back-to-back Vegas champion, which is rare enough as it is. Yep. And then you got Bodie Turner up there, 2022 Vegas champion. Bodie coming off a big win at Lancaster. He's here. Just he, turned 16, Just probably. turned 16. Super relaxed. Awesome kid. Awesome kid. Like, really, really like... Bodie. He really, doesn't yeah. seem 16. No, he actually has a maturity about him that is... He's more mature than I am. Well, that's not... He's more mature than you are. 
that's really not a long throw. <laughs> he just, yeah, the, not the things throw. that we think and then we'll say, he'll, he, might, he might think them, but I think he's just going like, oh, that's, you guys are silly. Not only does he think we're silly, he won't even show it in his face. Right, he just, yeah, he's such He just would kid. give us that stare. <laughs> that would make us feel even smaller. He kind of checked in on me today. You know, I was shooting, and he's like, hey, you doing okay? And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. It was really interesting. I felt like I was talking to my older brother. You realize that when you get sympathy from a 16-year-old, yeah, that's not yeah. a good sign. Yeah, yeah, I was shooting all right. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, I, I think we can wrap this up pretty yeah, soon here. But I just want to say one thing. I, I Real nice segment. If you have not had a chance to come to the Vegas shoot before, First off, you've missed out by not being here. Come back here next year, folks, because this is something else. Who's going to be that 4,000th person? Maybe we should suggest this to Bruce, the oh, person yeah. who is the 4,000th registration. Oh, Maybe he gets li- a little something. I like, you know? I like where you're going with that. I like where you're going with that. Yeah. That's, that's, you that's know, the trouble with that is, do. of course, you know, everybody will wait till the very last minute to register, right, and that yeah, would probably well, not work out. You'll get a lot of registrations on that last minute before the – pre-registration discount price yeah yeah expires yeah all right so we're going to get this mini podcast dropped we will try to get another one in after the uh the vegas shoot is accomplished also we've got some special guests coming in maybe if we got time we throw one down real quick beforehand i like that idea maybe get a preview of who's in and and give our predictions that could be a 10 minute thing yep we can do that um i think we can absolutely do that and of course we've also got some very special guests coming in next week Steve and I will talk more about that later. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be an action-packed week ahead, and uh, we will be back a couple times before uh, the end of next week. So look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on the Easton Podcast.